Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. In each episode, we speak with senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring broad understanding to complex topic areas and shine a light on the most pressing sustainability issues facing business and marketing, all designed to help marketers create sustainable futures for brands and business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation webinar. My name is Jonathan Hall, and I'm managing partner of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation Practice. Kantar is a world-leading data, analytics, and consulting business, and the Sustainable Transformation Practice works at the intersection of brands, people, and sustainability. Now, the topic for today's webinar is finance as a lever for sustainable change. And I'm delighted to have with me today Anna Yang from Chatham House, also known as the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And I'm going to let Anna introduce herself. Hello, everyone. So I am Anna Yang. I'm the Executive Director of Sustainability Accelerator, and we're based at Chatham House. It's great to have you here today. So let's dive in at the beginning on this huge topic. Why have you chosen to focus on finance as a key lever for change? Mm, I'll probably take some time to set a little bit of the context um, of of our genesis uh, as the Sustainability Accelerator, and then I'll focus into um, why the lever finance. So broadly, the mission of Chatham House is to help societies and government to build a sustainably prosperous, just world. In 2020, during uh, the COVID pandemic, Chatham House turned 100 years, and we have three main objectives for the future. One of the objectives is sustainable and equitable growth. Um, the second one is peaceful and thriving society. And then the third one is accountable and inclusive governance. And so the Accelerator is an initiative that's set up to drive uh, the mainstreaming of sustainably thinking and practices and approach within Chatham House. So we were set up broad, uh, with three main objectives. One is, as I said, to mainstream sustainability internally within Chatham House, but also outside, um, together with many others who are working on the topic. The second is to take futures and foresight approaches into a lot of the research that we do. And so basically the purpose is to bring the future into the present so that we understand sort of the intersection of sustainability with emerging trends. And within that, then we focus on two levers. One is finance, the other one is innovation. And the third objective is really to enlarge the space for stakeholders to interact with Chatham House. You know, historically, and we still do it, we do work with policy influencers, policy makers, and some of the government, um, some of the private sector players as well. But we also know that the world is being shaped by others, youth activists, social movement, both from all over sort of different parts of the world and different parts of the system. And so what the accelerator wants to be is to enlarge that space for people to come and interact with us, to influence and be influenced uh, by us. So we want to be that active, iterative place. And how we do it then comes into three sort of broad categories. We do research just like part of Chatham House does research. A lot of our research is towards this thinking of regenerative future. Obviously, we're still figuring out like what are the boundaries and definitions of regenerative future. But I think what it, why it captures my imagination, because it has elements, um, which is, you know, it has to be inspired by nature. It's linking, it's it's more sort of system thinking, more breakthrough changes than incremental changes. It has this more circular uh, approach instead of more ex- uh, sort of moving away from the extractive. So all of our research is moving towards that. So that's one of the ways that we do 
uh, uh, we, we, we take um, activities. The second one is also, uh, which Channel House is very well known uh, to do, is uh, we do um, convening. But what we want to offer is then the place as a burst of, um, and I would like call it uh, plug and play. And this is why I think some of the approaches from Max from the venture capital and, 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 and sort of accelerator community um, comes um, to mind is we want to bring, you know, for example, right now, and that actually touches on finance. So this is a little bit of a tangent to get to where I'm trying to get to. So we can see um, two trends sort of driving sustainability and finance. One is the need for digitalization because, you know, how, how data are uh, produced, harvest, and how do they go through investment decision making? And the other one is by sustainability. And so when you see the coupling of these two trends, uh, you have a lot of stakeholders uh, moving in the space. And we had the opportunity um, and the privilege of working with a couple of uh, partners, which we became a, a temporary home and temporary platform to bring bring the different stakeholders together, give them a Chatham House space and a bit of a Chatham House brand. And, you know, it, it, it was a whole day event that we could see this pan value chain coming together and then they can move on and do, you know, carry on to do the great work. They feel that they came together, had that burst of energy and then they kind of, what I heard from of our partners, like they, they, they got that extra, they just moved a different, uh, to a different level. And I was like, okay, this is exactly what we want to be, right? We want to be able to be that temporary home for change makers to come together and connect. So that's the second sort of how. And the third one um, is also convening, but it is what we talk about. And then what we want to introduce, and then I want to circle back to the whole conversation on regenerative future is, you know, how do we bring intrinsic values that we we actually care about as a society and surface it into policy sphere conversation. So we have a series of different kind of um, gatherings. So there are the, there's a reinventing series, there's the speakeasy, there are all sorts of other things that we sort of come up. And I'll just use the example of the speakeasy that we hosted early this year. So the speakeasy is um, inspired by the salons in the 18th centuries, uh, where you have, you know, public spaces um, that people talk about the intersection of philosophy, policy, art. And so that is sort of topic wise, that's what we care about, that what we want to promote. But also it has that submersive element of speakeasy in the US. So there's definitely drinks around it. So people feel more relaxed about it. And so the, the last speakeasy that we had was uh, what if nature was a person? And obviously this is something that's already, you know, happening in, uh, you, you, you we read about, you know, different governments uh, giving personhood uh, to nature. Yes. Uh, and what we wanted to unpack from that is yes, there are these activities, but what are the what are the issue what are the almost like trickling effects that it will have? And you know, ultimately some of the conversation we want to have through that is like, does it actually challenge our intrinsic interaction with, with nature? So sorry, this is a really, really long tangent to say what the accelerator is about. And so why finance, right? through the point of that I just made, like we want to move into a regenerative future. If we look at the financial system today, it doesn't really sort of act or behave um, if we think that the financial sector is an actor uh, that has some kind of, assuming that it has some kind of uh, uh, value attached to it, which I don't think it has. 
but I don't think that the, the financial system today today behaves accordingly to uh, what we think the society or reflects how we think society should be investing, right? Because in a way, financial sector, uh, the, 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 you, you and I as savers, they're the one who manage our money, but I don't feel that they actually reflect the things that we care about for lots of reasons, right? Uh, it's not even just to say... I'm not going to go into the point of like whether the financial system should have morality or not, but it's just like the way it is set up, how fragmented it is from, you know, the asset owners, the managers, the different intermediaries. So in a way, in both ends, savers like us and the, the, the real economy, the people who are sort of actually investing, we both have long-term objectives, but the players in the middle do not actually operate according to our long-term objective, right? What we see is uh, people are sort of requiring sort of short-term economic financial return. So there are all sorts of incentive systems today that do not support what we want to do. So to go back to that, to say that finance system should be an enabler, not a blocker. And this is why we work on it. And obviously, there are different pieces that we should work on it. And so we do have projects, which is uh, one that now is called New Capital Consensus. It's with Finstech, which is a financial. I don't like it's I'll have to add up a later like what is the acronym? But it's a group of uh, actuaries who's really, really progressive. And actuaries are one of those key players in the financial system because they design the risk models for um, institutional owners so for pension funds, for example. So they're the one who say how do we should incorporate risk into our their model. Right. And so they're the one if we can work with them, with these progressive group and change how this how the sector works work, then you're really creating all those uh, rippling effects. So that's working with one of the ch uh, agents of change. The other one is then through that project, we're trying to unpack what are the regulatory um, signals that financial regulations today are sending that is sort of mismatched with this objective, right? So part of the financial regulation actually cares more about sort of um, liquidity so that because it's a, it's a it's a legacy from the crisis that we had uh, in 2010, and then how does that then affect? There are all sorts of studies saying that that made uh, the the actors in the financial system focus more in the short term and mm -hmm. higher liquidity instead of investing in longer term um, infrastructure, real real economy activities. So that's another example. Uh, so there is the agent, the people. There's the regulation, and then the third piece is is around incentive, right? How are financial uh, system players incentivize, right? So what are the business models that they have today? Um, how are they rewarded? And so all of that is part of what we're trying to unpack to, because those are the system change thinking. Uh, and obviously, I think we have this hypothesis, right? Some of the people who would critique and say, yeah, we, we have lots of criticism about the financial system, but it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, there are decades of activities that we have done that, 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 you know, we know what the problem is, but we have we don't seem to be able to to uh, shift that. I think there are two drivers um, that we we um, is our working uh, hypothesis why this time is different. I think one is climate change. That climate change is so mainstream now. Um, how the players in the financial system have all committed to, or almost the majority of them have committed to net zero. That becomes a tailwind. That you know. If they that need 
to move to net zero with a system that today is not quite geared for us. We think that that's one of the bigger driver that can do that. I think the second one is a little bit more political and well, I would say political window of opportunity. And I forgot to mention that this project, New Capital Consensus, actually only looking in the UK, is in a in a post-Brexit world, right? The, 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 there is an opportunity for London uh, to reinvent itself as the the sort of the uh, I want to say called the next gen, but it's just like the the creative, innovative, sustainable hub, and then be the shaper. And so we think that it could it be, and also because we're based here, all the stakeholders are based here. It's like this is such a great opportunity for us to sort of be uh, the place where there are there really interesting thinking um, happening, and then how can then sort of the lessons learned in London and UK be well um, done. Exactly. I mean, obviously, yeah. this, is, this is our working hypothesis. Yeah. So this is a really, really long uh, story mm. to say why we think fin- finance, we need to work on finance, mm. um, sort of to move towards the regenerative future. That's that's super helpful. Thank you, Anna, for going into all that detail. Can I, can I just take a, a step back one mm. second? And, you know, I, I suspect lots of people watching this webinar would be thinking, oh, well, I know about, you know, the role of governments in this and regulation. You know, I know that, you know, businesses, corporates have a role to play. You know, consumers, people as consumers and citizens, you know, they're asked to do things. But maybe sort of finance is a bit less tangible or a bit less understood. Could could you just talk a bit more about the role that finance plays and, and could play in delivering that sort of regenerative future that you're describing? I can take it from a couple of different angles. Mm. So yeah, it does it does feel that it's a, li- a little bit sort of like as, you know, regular it's like for me, if I wasn't working in the space, like how 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 would I think about finance as as a lever? So as an individual, there's one way I can I can do this right is I do have savings so I can ask my banks or whatever financial intermediary I have so what are the sustainability practice they have um are they involved in so some very basic thing are they involved in deforestation activities or have they signed up to net zero I mean you would assume that many of them you know you're financial and it's not that individuals will make any change but it's the signal that we're sending saying your consumers your client care about it right that's one way and then another is with when we have you there's a um, this campaign that uh, this group called uh, make my money matter and i think they're doing a really incredible thing that saying okay so what are you doing with your savings right and and i have gone down that route as an individual it's incredibly difficult, but at the same time, I feel like I have to keep on asking. And I, for example, uh, talk to my to the financial advisor that I have, and I say I would only like to invest in sustainable and ethical funds. So those are the things that I can do as individual and sort of direct or ask questions, even if we know that it's like this gigantic system that I can't um, feels like really, really um, intractable. And I think that's one of the challenges that we have is. How can we translate? So I have as many questions as you. It's like, how do we sort of make it um, actionable for people? Is how can we then translate the needs of reform also to MPs, right? Because they're the one who will approve or propose regulations. And they're the one who oversee uh, lots of activities in the financial regulatory framework. And that's why 
there is that financial literacy process that we have to go through. But it does, it is, I am with you, that it's incredibly, it just feels like a black box. And I think maybe that's why there's a role for think tank like Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, we, we seem to be going through an era of purpose. You know, people are talking a lot about organizational purpose. And we've got the Business Roundtable in the States talking about, you know, the redefinition of that and, you know, moving away from a Milton Friedman model and to multi-stakeholder capitalism. And, you know, and, and you and I have spoken about the notion of finance with purpose. Mm. Do, do you, could, could you just unpack that a bit, Anna? And- yeah, so this... I mean, this is sort of almost like a tagline uh, that captured, well, it wasn't a tagline in a way, it's just like it, it captured my imagination when it kind of came from the, so a couple of years ago, we worked on a research project that was, had the, per, had the sorry, had the objective to understand how do you design innovative uh, financial intermediaries to invest in companies with purpose. That was sort of our initial, which is like you have all these, you know, grow, uh, swell of organizations and companies talking about purpose, but where do they get the money from, right? Are they, because we know that investors and corporates, they need to somehow, not somehow, they do need to have aligned objectives. Otherwise, at some point, they get into conflict. And through that project, we realized that there are lots of really amazing work on on company purpose as companies are figuring out like what is the role in the society, and that feels really a lot more tangible than the, the finance conversation. But as we were doing the research, we realized that this is where you know where if the companies they do not align uh, in terms of where they're trying to go with what the finance that the money that they're getting from uh, their financial intermediaries if they're not aligned, then they hit a wall in terms of the completion of like. Okay, this is where we want to go. The finance we're trying to get doesn't actually, sometimes the objectives are contradictory. And so it went, it made us ask the question of what is the purpose of finance? And is there such a thing called finance with purpose? And this obviously, you know, unveiled lots of questions because part of the part of the stakeholders that we're uh, engaging with, like, it's like finance is amoral, amoral, right? Um, we shouldn't attach value moral values to financial system and i heard a great analogy once which i thought it was uh, he's like there's no such thing as a bad dog only a bad dog owner so it's not that finance is bad is who is managing the money and allocated money that isn't doesn't have the values aligned with ours i think that's one school of thought and there's a, a different group of uh, school of thought, which is like, no, finance should have a purpose. And then so it because it should reflect the value that we have. So sometimes you feel that they're, they're talking about the same thing. So I find the concept of finance with purpose a very interesting one because it, it, it kind of unpacks well, it's trying to sort of address lots of hidden assumptions, right? That the, the the assumptions of, and it's the same discussion with company with purpose, which is like, are these entities, whether companies, investors, have a personality or should have some kind of moral value attached to it? Yeah, yeah. Correct. I think that's one thing. And then the the second thing is then, if so, then what needs to happen? with the regulation, with how they manage, with the governance. It, and it's a very similar conversation. That the moment you kind of say, well, if you're assuming that finance, there is such a thing as finance with purpose, there's all those conversations in the company with purpose about changing their governance model, how they respond to stakeholders and la la la. All of that gets 
it's a very similar journey the financial sector will have to go through, right? And so there is almost a catch-up game, but at the same time, they'll have to transform themselves themselves even more intrinsically if we want to go to this pathway of regenerative future. You mentioned the, the research project, the, the new capital consensus. Were there any findings there that, that you could share in relation to this? Um, we're in a, we, just, we actually started this year. We haven't ah. even have officially uh, launched yet. But one of the, it will have three components, and I can talk about the components because the findings haven't come out yet. I think one of the components is what we call stocks and flows. So we're working with University of Leeds um, and University of Oxford. They're leading it. We're just secretariat. They will do just stock and flows analysis, which is like basically, as a, for, for me as a lay person with some knowledge about finance uh, or a lot of interest about it, is if you put one pound into the system, where does it go? And if it eventually goes into the stuff that we really care about right so that's kind of the stock and flow so where are the stocks how do they flow and then with that we're saying well are we being productive or efficient right and then you can say productive for what efficient for what but right now we don't have that picture and this is in the in the uk so that we need to have some kind of uh, geographic boundary so that's one element which is academic research so um, it's sort of evidence-based so we un- we need to understand where the money's going how it's behaving and then there's an element of then okay, if this is behaving like this, why, right? Is this driven by regulation? Is it driven by business model? Or, and then linked to that, like by incentives on individual pay and all of that. And you have actually different research group will attach. So some will say it's because of regulation. Some will say it's because, and we actually think all of it, right? It's the strength of those influences. And then we want to be able to say, where are the lever points? Because if you see everything that's happening now outside, right, from the EU taxonomy conversation, the sustainability disclosure, there are like accounting standards being set up. There are all sorts of really, really interesting stuff that are happening. And so what we want to make sure that is that this is all connected, you know, so it's almost like the, the, the first piece of the research is a little bit of a plumbing, understanding the plumbing. And then the other one is like all these things that we are attaching of new innovative, new sustainability stuff. It's like, are they connecting or are they still like pieces of it? And then the third element is then the political narrative, uh, as in then how, if we need to change the financial regulation, or if we need to change the mandate of specific actors in the regulatory space, then we need the, we need the, the MPs to be involved, right? And for them to understand, like, and, and for me, the sustainability, just to, I, I, for, I actually want to make sure that we capture that, is the regenerative ha- future also has a very strong social element to it. It has the element of fairness. And so this whole debate in UK about levelling up, the whole issue that we want to address on inequality, this is part of it. I don't think we'll be able to have sustainable future if we don't, address the deep inequality and social issues. And so we want to be able to use this project as a way to unpack all those conversations that drive people's interest, right? Climate change, sustainability, inequality, leveling up. But we think that if we go through the financial system and we we sort of reform it uh, properly, it will deliver all those outcomes. That's super helpful. Thank you. So if you had to talk about what needs to change about the finance system today, how would you headline that for us? Oh, wow. I do think that 
we need to change some of the financial regulations, but I think a, a lot of it is around business models. And obviously, business model is a reflection of how sometimes the regulation, uh, the regu regulatory signal. So it's really hard to unpack one or two, one from the other. And I feel that it's a little bit premature for me to talk about like, what are the things that we, because it feels like it's everything, but at the same time, there are some, what we call pinch points, right, that we can pick. We don't have the research evidence to support that. So I kind of feel that it's a little bit too early. Final question for me then, if there's one thing you'd like viewers to take away from this conversation, what would that be? Finance can be an enabler for the future that we want to live in. And so as, you know, sitting on where the viewers are sitting, think about how they touch, what are different touch points that they have with the financial agents. So it's just like I said, right, from asking the banks about what their commitment to net zero or to deforestation, uh, that or from sort of as a saver's perspective. And there are different organizations working on that because that's your power as an individual to say, even if one, you know, maybe not, there are not enough of us, but if we, we start to do that movement of like, if all, many of us, if all of us ask the same question or similar question, then people will listen, right? The, the, the financial actors will listen. Brilliant. Anna, that's been such a fascinating, inspiring conversation. Thank you. I mean, just to sum up what I was taking out of that, I mean, obviously the role of the sustainability accelerator at Chatham House, I love the way you described it as a burst of energy and a and a home for change makers. And that sort of intersection between sustainability and emerging trends, which is which is so critical uh, and the thinking that you're doing around that. I think that in answer to your question of why finance, why finances leave for change, I guess I was getting there. It's an achievement of the regenerative future which you're aiming at. I was also really interested to when you were talking about the regulatory signals and how they were misaligned potentially with a purposeful role. So I think that alignment of, of regulation and purpose and finance with purpose. The other point that we were making there around the piece from the new capital consensus and, and the political narrative and the role of political narrative, I think, again, it's the intersectionality of these elements, isn't it, of the different players within the within the system, which are, which are critical. And I love the way you finished off there. Um, so finance can be an enabler for the future we want to live in. So um, a great sign-off point. So Anna, thank you so much again for, for joining us today. It was a great conversation. You've been listening to Sustainable Futures, a podcast from Kantar. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.